I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the Nick DeVries of F1 Podcasts. We thought we'd get rid of a Dutchman, but then get another one in to present. <laughs> yeah, who's, I have a very poor Dutch accent, although I do speak Dutch. Who's Nick de Vries? <laughs> do you remember him? No. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, dominating the F1 podcast scene for the past 12 races. Is it going to get boring if we're just consistently the best F1 podcast? Let's find out. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the smash trophy of F1 podcasts. A lot of effort went into creating this podcast, and uh, then Lando Norris came along and smashed it. But like the trophy that he smashed, it was—it looked quite shit. But so much work went into it. I know, it handmade. Took six months. This is what I tell people. Took six months. Each to podcast make. takes six months. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the low-level comeback of F1 podcasts. We're back. Daniel Ricciardo's boots are finally dry from the last shoey three years ago. <laughs> His boots are safe for now. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast F1 deserves. I'm Drew Stern and I'm back making my unexpected return to the podcast and hoping I can show my worth. Who knows, next year maybe I can host a podcast that's actually any good. In the meantime, we'll be talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix, a race where we dared to dream that maybe, just maybe, Max Verstappen wouldn't romp to an easy victory. But then our dreams were dashed, and now Formula One is just a tedious exercise in the inevitability and the futility of hope. So stay tuned for fun! That's all to come. Joining me is a man who's gone electric. It's Phil Tromans. I've often compared myself to Bob Dylan, but uh, this last couple of weeks it's become especially true. Um... You may know that I've been uh, reviewing and driving and writing about cars for a long time. You have. But, you know, we live in a changing planet, and I've embraced mobility. And I've started reviewing e-bikes and scooters. Ooh. Professionally. Hang on. When you just said mobility and scooter, you're reviewing <laughs> yeah. mobility scooters. Not, 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 not that kind of scooter. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, if anyone's out there and they want to pay me to do it, I will happily <laughs> review some mobility scooters. But uh, no, I've been I've been because um, uh, I'm freelance these days. I've um, I've started writing about um, e-bikes, and I went up to London the other day and drove a 
ton of e-bikes. Rode a ton of e-bikes. I've got to stop saying drive. I rode a ton of e-bikes. And uh, it was really good fun. And now I want an e-bike. But they are quite expensive. So hang quite on. dangerous. So if any e-bike manufacturers want to sponsor us, I'm, I'm up for it. So being someone who only learned to ride a bike two years ago, I view e-bikes as devil and it's not real bikes <laughs> and that's cheating convince me well uh, there is <laughs> well you know there's a, as somebody who rides road bikes and has been overtaken by people on e-bikes going up hills i in that kind of situation i do regard it as cheating if you're having a race then yes it's cheating but if you want to commute and you don't want to be silly sweaty or you want to tow the kids around and sweaty. you don't want to have to plow out 500 watts just to tow your toddler up a small crest and e-bikes are the way to go. They're great. Very impressed by them. It's a different thing. I warn you though, they it's a different they, thing. They are. They thing. can be quite dangerous. I I committed to an e-bike quite uh, uh, just after lockdown, and um, I've now a, a kind of massive scar on my shoulder. Ooh, courtesy, he's courtesy, showing us the scar. Courtesy listeners. of an yeah, it's about a seven-inch scar. I've got a metal plate and seven collarbone? screws. Yeah, my collarbone sma- snapped classic. in three places. <laughs> Ooh. Did you? Has you got one of these illegal ones? Were you one of these? Were you? Were you on one of these illegal ones that you that you chipped or hacked or tuned or you were oh. bombing around stealing things? Oh, that depends. As kids do. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the law enforcement agencies? Um, I haven't. Okay. Uh, do you think anyone listening has? <laughs> very much doubt it. We'd have heard from it's, them by now if they were. It's a fully compliant bike. There we go. We're starting. This is why we need the law to come down heavily on ne'er do wells, who may or may not have done things to their e-bikes. I would not. I, you know, as somebody who's never ever illegally tuned a car and not declared it, I would. Uh, I, I stand in judgment of you, and I stand judged. And beside him is a man who has had the worst food poisoning. It's Terry Saunders. Weirdly, oh. weirdly, this story starts off with me falling off my bike. Bizarrely. <gasps> So last Sunday, I fell off my bike, and I didn't hurt myself too, but didn't even break the skin. I just went over a tiny... Here in Berlin, there's often cycle lanes are often delineated with a tiny curb that if you go across that tiny curb, you will fall off your bike and into <laughs> traffic. Um, it's very... So that's what I did Sunday afternoon. I was on the way to a swimming pool, so I was very annoyed. But I didn't really hurt myself, didn't even break the skin, but I landed with a big clatter, clatter, clatter. But I did hurt my arm to a point where I can't really move my arm behind my back all the way without there being a kind of nasty... So, you know, that's that. On Monday, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself and a bit tired, so I thought I'd cook myself a nice meal. So I got some steak, and I made some, like, boiled some potatoes, and I steamed some carrots, and I steamed some broccoli. Can I just interrupt for one second? Aren't you vegan? Oh, not anymore. No, no, no. no. Oh, that's gone, hasn't it? That went in lockdown, Phil. That was... <laughs> right, 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 yeah, right, right. Like most vegans, I talk about fad. becoming a vegan. I don't talk about <laughs> not lapsing. No, I lapsed my veganism because right. it was lockdown. I, I, I'd moved to a new country. I was single. I was depressed. And I was wearing a mask in the local supermarket. And I went past the eggs. And I started crying. And I said to myself, I just want a fucking omelette. So that was when I broke my <laughs> veganism. <laughs> Anyway, so now not vegan at all, except okay. for my two vegan friends here in Berlin who I've not, I don't lie to them, but I've not not told them that I'm not a vegan anymore. So I always eat vegan <laughs> food with them and go, yeah, go on, meat eaters, eh? Anyway, this is going to come and bite me on the ass because, so I cooked this meal, steak, potatoes, veg, lovely, lovely, lovely meal. And 
last minute I thought, do you know what would be nice? I'm going to I'm going to fry off these potatoes and steamed veg in some butter and in the kind of pan where I cook the steak. Add a lot of flavour to it. You know, that's a nice kind of thing. Dash of something. And I put that all in the pan. I left the room and I came back and I was like, oh, something smells funky. And I gave the butter a sniff and it's like real butter that I've had for ages because I'm mostly vegan. And I was like, oh, that smells off. You know, and when butter smells off, it really smells. So the whole kitchen smelled of like off butter. <laughs> but I'd put like all of my food that I've been cooking for ages in this fucking pan. So I was like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? You know, I love a bit of stuff. Okay, it'll be fine. <laughs> Well, reader, the worst that could happen is that I had the shits for a week. <laughs> I have been so oh, ill. Seriously, I have been the illest I've ever been. And what makes it worse is I'm getting up several times in the night to have a shit. And the arm that I hurt falling off my bike is my butt wiping arm. <laughs> so every time I go to wipe my ass, I'm like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> it's been a horrible week. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm okay. Now. Today, there, oh, there's, a, there's somewhere there's a butt, butter joke that I can't find. <laughs> But honestly, today is the first day that I felt not ill. That's That, that was last Monday at the stake. That's so the been, power of the podcast. The power of the podcast and the power of rancid butter. So there's what I've learned. Don't eat <laughs> yeah. rancid butter, folks. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever smelled rancid butter because I just don't think... I think we just get through it too quickly. Yeah, I didn't think butter went off, really. it smells pretty bad, though. Oh, no, yeah, I didn't it was, know. I thought, it I thought was the really whole point obvious. of it was it lasts for ages. That's the thing. Oh. It was really, It was really obviously off. It was like there was no... <laughs> When I smelt that funky smell in the kitchen, it was like, and that's what I hate because so on all the nights where I'm up at three in the morning, shitting, you know, shitting liquid, and I'm just there going, oh, this is because you wet the fucking butter, you know. It's like it's not like I went, oh, I had a meal, I didn't know, I went to a restaurant and it was no, it was me. It was, <laughs> I smelt that funk and I was like, I'm gonna risk it, <laughs> and I risked it. Smell the funk. Steak. I smell the funk. <laughs> so fuck T-shirt. butter. Oh. <laughs> uh. Fuck butter. There's another T-shirt. Fuck I'm, butter. Smell the funk. I think I might become a vegan. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> their food doesn't go off. <laughs> Drew, I, I mean, I always hesitate to ask, but how are you? I'm I'm okay. Um, I've, Welcome back. What have you been up to? Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been a, a year, I think, since I was on the podcast thereabouts. It's uh, no. it's nice to be back. Yeah. It was definitely last season. Um, British Grand Prix, maybe, maybe I did one after that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I uh, lots happened. Like I, uh, I joined you in the land of the recently made redundant a couple of months ago. Yeah, one of us, one of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying, trying to get my legs, but yeah, trying to get my legs back underneath me. And uh, uh, this week we have been dog sitting, which is a new adventure for me. I've been one of those dads what, who professionally said, or no, no, we, I, I never wanted. Pets. is going well, is it? <laughs> yeah, I never wanted pets, <laughs> but my kids were, especially my daughter, really wanted a dog, and my wife found this website called borrow my doggy where you can uh-huh. help other people who need help with their dog and it turns out this one family who don't live too far from us are going on holiday this week and their dog sitter fell through and so we are sitting their dog and um they say that there is no love purer than that between a dad and the dog he said he didn't want um and that's what it's felt like this week like it's i'm no interest in pets or dogs at all and then this week it's just been like having a little furry baby in the house it's been wonderful Aww. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's screaming a lot and pooing everywhere. That's me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pissed on the carpet. She pissed on the carpet once. Apart from that, it's been it's been pretty good. Picking up poop for the first time since I had babies. So, um, it's returning Aww. to that. But yeah, it's that's that, that's been kind of nice for the uh, for the mental health. It's been it's been very pleasant. That sounds experience. nice. It's like having somebody else somebody else's dog without having to like steal it and yeah, you know. What's the dog's name? Luna. Little Ooh, cocker yeah. spaniel. 
one year old just just turned one yeah okay so you haven't gone gone into the deep end with like a sort of you know a massive great alsatian called ripper or anything like that (laughs) no i think this was the perfect size this is murder (laughs) (laughs) this is it like it'd be like one of those columbo episodes where someone lends someone a killer dog so they've got the ultimate alibi that they were abroad when this dog killed someone (laughs) and then it'd be up to me to prove that i didn't set the dog no nothing like that why is the worst she does is is Why has it got a crossbow? <laughs> if, that was, if that never was the plot of a Columbo episode, I feel it should be written because that's that's a pretty good alibi. AI will kick kick in something about that. There'll be there'll be new Columbo episodes up within the year, I'm sure. To listeners' corner, which is mostly slow or medium this week, possibly because we forgot to post the Facebook prompt for comments until shortly before recording. Sorry about that. Anyway, after so many dull races this year, the Hungarian Grand Prix was better, wasn't it? Opinion is divided. Savat Jam says, after all the potential of qualifying, the Hungarian GP, the massive dry hump that F1 deserves. Ryan Simpson says, Norris smashing Max's trophy was the most interesting thing that happened all day. An absolute turd of a race. Jamie McNaught says, The race was a little bit like Kvyat's sex life from Kelly PK's point of view. Boring, long, think nothing is going to happen till a mild amount of intrigue before the finish, and Max always comes first. I, th- I thought it was alright. Maybe I just have very low standards this season. I mean, it was fine. It was just, you know, the qualifying built it up to be something, and it wasn't. I think that was maybe the disappointment. Well, I, I, see, I kind of I missed qualifying and watched it later, like not that long before the race, so... I don't know. Maybe I wasn't swept up in the glory of it. It did. Because, like, I watched know. it live and it really did kind of set tee you up for like, this could be interesting. And there was all this debate about, you know, will Max let Lewis through, uh, like go ahead at the first corner or will he attack him into the first corner? And literally all those questions were disappointingly answered before the first turn was over. Yeah, with, with, within one corner, everything was like, oh, okay, that's going to happen. And then it got <coughs> I still enjoyed it. I thought there was enough. I thought there was interesting stuff going up for the first time in God knows how long. He says, having not got to the teams yet, but on the top of my head, I think this is true. I think there was something interesting that I think I'll probably remember from every single team Ooh, during the race. There's a challenge. Which doesn't often happen. Hmm. Okay, can Maybe. we talk... Quite often, I'm just like, okay, Ferrari, blah, 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 Red Bull, blah, 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 Mercedes, blah, and everybody else was also there. But I think there was stuff going on all down the field this time, and I, I found that quite interesting. Can we talk about the broken trophy? Because I only, <laughs> yes. I only just watched the actual clip of it breaking. Have you seen the actual clip of it breaking? Yeah. Yes. They because did not talk about it on the Skyline coverage at all. They just, they just completely ignored it happening or didn't they, notice it happening. They did on the Sky Juniors thing that they've got going on now, which I don't think we've also not talked about very much, but um, that's a separate thing that we need to talk about probably. So, you know, they, I don't don't, don't know if you get this in Germany, Terry, but they've got kids doing F1 presenting now. Oh, is that what Sky Juniors is? It's not young racers, it's precocious kids. Well, I think think some of them also race, but they're basically television presenters and they're just like kids basically being the Sky crew and interviewing the drivers and talking to the camera and stuff. Jim will fix it all over again. It's like Little Ant and Deck. Right. I don't know. If I've t- I'm sure I've told this story before in the podcast, but in circa 1990 to 1991, I wrote to Jim Will Fix It because I wanted to commentate on a Grand Prix. Jim, dear Jim, will you fix it for me? Commentate on a Grand Prix. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. And <laughs> I didn't get even a reply. You know, I sent in a nude and everything. And. <laughs> 
And then one night I'm watching Jim will fix it on the telly and they do this thing where someone writes in going, dear Jim, will you fix it for me to commentate on the Grand Prix? And I'm like, I am livid. Like, I am fucking furious. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me, Jim? And this little shit, what they get, they get James Hunt in the studio, right? And they get him and this kid to commentate to a recording of an old Grand Prix on the telly. And that was it. And I was like, I was shouting at my mum going, I didn't want to record off the telly. I wanted to go to a Grand Prix. I, I've got enough knowledge that I could do a whole two-hour commentary. Thank you very much for Murray Walker. Oh. <laughs> so I don't want to see these little Well, you should apply, you should apply to F1 no, Juniors. No, I don't want to see these little <laughs> doing my job. Look, do, they've got to do it. They've got to learn the hard way. They've got to learn to fail big and then do a fucking podcast like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Imagine anyway, how disappointed that kid was. Like, he didn't get to commentate on a proper race and then had That's to deal with Jimmy fix it afterwards. <laughs> well, maybe yes. he enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> the, so, what amused me a lot about the trophy smashing was A, um, Lando Norris has got his his little signature move. He's been playing too much Fortnite. He thinks everyone's got to have a thing. <laughs> and he smashes the bottle down on the podium to make it froth up, which is fucking pathetic like grow up shake the bottle like a real man and then what i noticed though, <laughs> put a wreath he, on he did <laughs> drink some fucking milk he did it <laughs> on max's podium step because he did it on that which is what made it what because his one didn't fall off and perez's one didn't fall off he did it on his own step he would have broken his own one so he broke max's trophy by doing his stupid thing on the top step and that's why they should ban him for a race <laughs> But he did it on the top step last week as well. Like at Silverstone, he did it on the top step. Well, it's just near, it, isn't it? If you're it, in the second thing, yeah. it's just the nearest one sense. to you. I mean, I well, guess not I if get you it, break a 40,000 euro ugly, really, really ugly porcelain. <laughs> oh, no, it's all right. I've seen, I've seen worse. It was the it's fact not it was as bad porcelain. as the plastic Heineken ones. I mean, yeah. Oh. It's handmade. It's, it's art. It's hand painted. Gold. It's got gold on it. Not anymore. There's a video on the, the company that makes it. They've got a video of them preparing it. In fact, there's like a guy punching it out with a little tool and like making all their little things in it. And isn't this now artisan. going to be? Isn't this now going to be an artifact of F1 history, like a smashed trophy this is from true. from like like the, the first shoe for that a shoe was done from, or the yeah, yeah the first. It's going to be like Sterling Moss's bent steering wheel from when yeah. he crashed it. Wherever you can it was, still buy bits of the Berlin was, yeah. Wall. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna, you go to Budapest now, you're going to be able to buy bits of Max Verstappen's trophy for a long time. If Lando becomes world champion at some point, that might be a, a nice little keepsake, a, a shard from the trophy of Max that he smashed. Symbolically, the start of his you know, walk towards <laughs> knocking him off his perch for 2027. I mean, maybe, this all, maybe this is all deliberate. Maybe this is like the start of the mind games from Lando. He's like, I'm coming for you. I'm going to smash your trophy, then I'm going to smash you. If it was anyone else, you could have potentially thought it was malicious. But because it was Lando, it doesn't really occur to you that at any point he could have thought... Because <laughs> he just looked like a little boy who'd been caught out like with his fly down or something. He's he looked kind quite of embarrassed. A lot like a little boy, isn't he? How old is he now? Because I, I, I mean, obviously he's very young, but I think he's older than I think oh, he is. Oh, he's probably like 23, isn't he? I'm going to say 23. Lando, he, he is, is 23. Good guess. Really? Yeah. Oh god, is... that was my that was my joke go to low guess, so that'd be funny. Oh my god. He'll be twenty four later so in the year. Yeah. I'm so old. I'm sick of yeah. this. We're all old. Me Terry. Too. <laughs> we're all, we're all old enough know, to be but... Lando Norris's dad. But we're not rich enough to be Lando Norris's dad. In other news, 
Amid all the fun of the race in Hungary, we should talk about the relatively small tweak to qualifying that was made, known as the alternate tyre allocation. The change meant that drivers had to use a set type of tyre for each qualifying session. Do you think it made any noticeable difference? Well, qualifying was quite fun. So this was like Q1, now everybody had to use hard tyre. Q2, everybody had to use medium tyre. Q3, everybody had to use soft tyre. So it sort of... it scrapped the idea of teams like bolt it like shit teams bolting on a set of softs and getting through to q2 somehow um i don't know if it, if it was if qualifying was fun because of this or because of something else i loved it i think it's a great rule change i like it why just makes it easier q1 hard q2 medium q3 soft it's simple i like it no, that's true. No fucking about. So you're you genuinely in favour of simplification of rules? In this kind of way, because there's... Look, there, I'll always remember the time I went on that, and no shade to this other podcast, that F1 strategy podcast that we've all been invited onto at one point. And the guy was asking it's me... It's a good podcast. It's a really good it's podcast. It's a lot better. Now. It's a lot better. I'm not, I'm not having to go at the podcast, <laughs> but I am having to go at the fact that he asked me about tyres, and I realised just how... How little I pay attention to tyres. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was exactly the same. Because the question was, like, so, and of course, they were the soft, medium, soft thing. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> and if, if I had my way, there would just be one tyre that they use. No, yeah. nothing. Just, I don't, I don't care about these different compounds. I don't know what it means. I don't understand. I don't know why they, what happens. I don't understand why they... They spend hours going around the track over the weekend saying, oh, we've done three race simulations on this tyre, but during the race, it seems to be behaving differently. Then why are we fucking bothering? (laughs) (laughs) Hate it. Fucking hate tyres. So you're not necessarily a fan of it from the point of view of the impact it has on the race. Couldn't give a shit. It's easy to understand. (laughs) Couldn't give a shit. I just don't (laughs) care. Good. All right. Well... I mean, yeah, I was fine with it. Uh, we, they did it once. It seemed to work. Probably. Great. Let's keep it. Perfect. Are they going to keep it? I don't think they're going to keep it. Well, it's not going to be for every race. one more trial, right? Yeah, they're doing a trial. But the thing is, do, do you know the reason behind it? It's to reduce no. the amount of tyres total, right? Yeah, because this means each driver, I think, takes two sets of tyres less to a race, which is like 40 <gasps> sets of tyres per Fewer. race. Fuck you. Forty sets of, of tyres per race, which over the course of a season is like a squiddian tyres that they're not having to make. Because when they finish with these tyres, they just burn them in Turkey or something. I don't know. And so this is better for the environment. So Formula One... I think they just they just go to the middle of the sea and throw them at dolphins. They just throw them down to the Titanic. But like you, can't, you can't even buy them like, like as a souvenir. They keep them like they they still keep them somewhere because they like looking at the tyre degradation is like important part of the research or something yeah yeah i know people have tried to buy it's very important for lap time what's going to happen to this tire after five years of sitting in the back of a warehouse just give it i'll stick up my wall it'll look really good i'd have have a tire on my wall make a great coffee table a glass on it yeah quite it's quite a squidgy one but Mm. sure i have a hard a hard one yeah remember when alpine ceo said the team were shit and they suddenly got better and everyone said, ha, maybe that's the way to be an F1 boss now. Yeah, Rossi's been given the hoof, so maybe that wasn't the answer. Philip Kreef is now the big brand boss, while Bruno Famine takes up the position of vice president of motorsports and is Otmar Snafnauer's new boss. What are we to make of this? This, <laughs> this, this was quite interesting, I thought. That, it, it must have been, what, two months ago sometimes, that Lauren Rossi, the then head of... 
Alpine, the CEO of Alpine, came out and basically said, in quite a, and not just once, but in a series of interviews, that the team were doing shit and they weren't good enough, and if they didn't improve, he's going to start firing some motherfuckers, or words to that effect. And actually, not far from that effect. Um, and then suddenly, they did get a little bit better. And everyone was like, oh, the pep talk seems to have worked. And now, now they've had two <laughs> double TNFs in a row, and he's been given the hoof. Um, so... I guess don't slag off your team. My question. What's the message? My question is: Does this mean that they're a hundred races until they win the championship resets again? <laughs> no, it's hundred <laughs> races from now. <laughs> Not from now. <laughs> Starting from now. <laughs> the last five years didn't count. It wouldn't start now. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a bit about this later, but they are having an absolute shocker at the moment, and not entirely of their own fault as well. No, true. But you know, I mean, get it, you know, it's another thing to. Shake it all up. If anything, if I know anything about F one, is that is that changing lots of random things around at the top almost definitely has brilliant results. Absolutely. Is this a consequence of that new money coming in from those investor groups recently? And they're, <coughs> oh, it they're could now be. they're now casting oh, more of an eye Ryan on Reynolds. it. Yeah. Now they're they're. they're keeping an eye on things they're taking a look at things maybe they're taking other things into consideration that other people haven't and they're thinking you know what we need a shake up at the top and they've put pressure on Renault to um, trickle that down it could be I mean buying what 25% of the team that gives you quite a big voice in the room right which is this why is, uh, new- now you've said that it's this is almost definitely Ryan Reynolds. Breaking news, the new Alpine CEO is Will Ferrell. <laughs> but he's wearing a big moustache. <laughs> oh, only, only oh, drive yeah. to survive this season's going to be good then. I am French Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Philippe Crief. <laughs> for the uh, sequel uh, of Talladega Nights. I, d- I, d- I mean, I would watch, watch the hell that. out of yeah. that. I would watch the hell out of an F1 comedy movie with Will Ferrell as the Alpine CEO. That would be brilliant. Well, it's not too late. Never mind Brad this Pitt. bollocks with Brad Pitt. <laughs> Just to turn it around. Take all that footage you've been doing, change it so it's a slapstick comedy. Well, Brad I mean, Pitt wasn't able to be at the race this this week because of the strike. Um, is this is this why? Because yeah, well, isn't he, this this is now they're still filming background stuff, aren't they? But they there's no there, writers and yeah. no actors. Yeah. So I, I guess the writers mm. aren't as necessary, but actors are fairly essential to, to a movie for now. Um, and oh, he I mean, wasn't I, there. I saw the trailer for the Gran Turismo movie either today or yesterday. I can't remember when it was. And I thought uh, maybe they wrote, maybe this was put together when the writers were on strike because it looks fucking awful. That's the one about Jan Maldenborough, right? Yeah, it looks terrible. Really terrible. It looks like it. It looks like a sort of straight to straight to DVD freeview movie. It's awful. Well, it is, it is about a racer who got into racing through a video game. So it's like about a video game two steps removed. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not even, I mean, it's a mildly interesting story, especially the way his career sort of went on. Oh. But like, yeah, it but- just seems like it's just the most cliche ridden nonsense. Of it. Just going purely from the trailer. I haven't seen the film, well, but the- it, it, it looks awful. There's a great story there to be told. It's the first time there's ever been a, a major feature film made about someone who I've met, which I'm kind of excited about. Ooh. And the, Ooh. yeah, I got to drive with him twice um, with because uh, he was with Nissan, obviously. For the that's how he got after the Gran Turismo stuff. He got in with Nissan. And do you remember the Duke R, Phil? Yes, I've driven the Duke R. Yeah, so I I I, I went to drive that with him. I drove it thinking I was pretty quick on a racing track and then he drove me around when he had just started professionally racing and I was like, oh my God, this is this kid really He's played really a lot of Gran Turismo. He really knows how to drive. Like, not just like, oh, he's good at video games and he can drive quick. No, he was 
I've driven with a lot of racing drivers and he was amazing. And then I met him a couple of years later and had dinner with him after that really bad accident that happened where um, he came off the track. Oh yeah, he flipped the, over at the Nürburgring, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. killed a spectator, unfortunately, um, oh. and talked to him about that afterwards. And so he's had quite a, in a very short amount of time, quite a lot happened to him. So I think there's a lot of material there to make a really interesting film. And it'd be a shame if the film doesn't do it justice, really. But yeah, the fact that it if doesn't look like it will. <laughs> it doesn't look like it talks about his slightly dubious views on Twitter he's been espousing recently either. Yeah. They, seem to have, they seem to have missed that bit out. It's weird. You mean X? Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, Oh, X. sorry. Yeah, it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called X. Which doesn't X. X, go and give it to you. It's go and give it to you. Which I think X sounds a bit like eggs. So I could always call it eggs from now on. Yeah. All the little birdies go X, X, X. Anyway, we're, look, we're, we're, look, let's get back on. Look, I'm going to be Matt. Let's be back on track. Okay. <laughs> you know when it really pisses it down and no driver apart from the leader can see anything because of the spray? Well, F1 boffins want to solve that. And after the British Grand Prix, Silverstone was the venue for the testing of some new prototype wheel covers. Mick Schumacher drove a specially kitted out Mercedes for the test. And the results were shite. FIA single-seater director Nicolas Tombazis said that it made no tangible difference. So that went well. It's such an F1 thing to have, to literally hire Silverstone, hire Mick Schumacher, run a Mercedes to try out this new prototype and find that it's completely useless. How do you design something that's completely useless and get it to the stage where you've hired all this stuff and spent all this money? Surely you'd be at least vaguely competent that it would sort of maybe work. Maybe not to the level you'd expect or want, but that it would do something. But he literally said, no, it was shit. It's like we had nothing. Clink so. <laughs> Is it just I mean, big flaps have done at this point. on the backs of the wheels? It does that seem like appear to be... It, it does look like it's just, yeah, like rally-style, you know, mud guards. Um, and they appear not to have worked, so now they have to go back to the drawing board and try again. I Make just thought the this whole, was cover the whole back of the it's car like, with cling film. <laughs> to catch all that's the water. It, is it? That's, 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 that's the story. Okay. I mean, it's an idea, and from the sounds of it, it would work better than this. I mean, they barely uh, race in the rain anyway anymore. As soon as it starts raining hard enough for spray to be that much of an issue, the fl- race gets red flagged these that's days, a right? very good point. But then would it get red flagged well, I mean, if they use cling film? Hmm? Hmm? Oh, you mean mm. if... The, I don't think the spray is the problem. It's the lack of grip and the fact that these cars can only and the spray. race in... And the, well... But the spray, even without the spray, it's still dangerous in, in the in the yeah. rain. But motorsport is dangerous, Drew. Says on the ticket. No one has tickets Just because anymore, people die in the spray doesn't mean that they need to change anything. Anyway, it's the Belgian Grand Prix next week. If it really rains so, with the new ground effect cars, does all the water get in the ground effect ducts and it squirts out the back? That's, <laughs> it's like a super no soaker at the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they've got a rear gunner with a water cannon. Yeah, like where oh, they could kind be of, that in harvesting battery they've got another button that goes right deploy water (laughs) it swells up like a balloon and it sucks all the water it just inflates (laughs) and then deploy and it shoots out but that would be extra thrust right from the jet of water it would give extra thrust but then the weight would you'd probably be losing the same amount of seconds a lap oh that would be it i think we'd then i think we'd then start to see like sort of hydrofoils on the front wings so they sort of like riding up surfing along the waves put out by the car in front. I mean, I'm all in favour of this. This sounds great. This is Adrian Newey's wet dream, no pun intended. This actually will tie into my state of F1 this week, which I'm going to I'm gonna preface now by saying I think I've 
I think I've nailed it. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for F1 sake or find us on Facebook where we're for F1 sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Alternatively, if you think we're right, then why not buy us a beer? That's what he did. And by he, I mean Peter McLeod. Well done, Peter McLeod. Good job we didn't leave a comment. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Fucking dick. Thank you, Peter. Put you guys in an awkward position with a comment that you know we're going to read out, but we might not read out. And, if, and we tried to read it out, and then we decided not to read it out. So fuck you. Uh, keep your fucking yeah. money. No, 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 no. Mm, thank you. Right, for the money. we'll keep we'll keep your fucking money, and we won't read out your fucking comment. You <laughs> Bernhard War. Yay. Chris Lee. Yeah. Chris Lee. Jenny and Ralph Brynard. Jenny Absolute stalwarts. And Ralph Brynard. Oh, they yeah, don't leave awkward comments for us to read out about Jack <laughs> Andrew Cunningham. Oh, good old what Andrew. A what, a, what a great guy. Bryce Davies. Bryce is nice. Bryce. Uh, we've done that a lot, but it still stands. <laughs> Jason R. Bradley. Jason F. The Cooper. R stands for really. David Finlay. Inspector Findlay Mysteries. What? Is that a thing? That was a TV thing, wasn't it? Inspector Findlay? That was Lindley. Findlay. <laughs> was it Lindley? Lindor. You're thinking of Nicholas Inspector Lindor. You're thinking of the chocolates. Nicholas Lindor? <laughs> You're thinking of the chocolates from Only from Anyway, Morsi. thank you, Nicholas Lindhurst, for the beer money. <laughs> oh, he is called Dave. There we go. Perfect circular action. Oh, there we go. Great. Nice. Play it cool, Trigger. I'm going to fall through a bar. <laughs> Join them, join them all. Head to ff1s.com forward slash pint pint pint. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Teams still survive. Teams make the wish come true. Oh, keep your teams alive. Team, team on. Your teams will come alive. Come on, team on. Come on, team on. Come on, team on, boy. Your teams will come alive. Red Bull. Just for a second. we. <laughs> I love that. I have no idea what the song is. Uh, because um, I didn't grow up in Europe in the early 90s, but, uh, you know, it sounds great. Uh, yeah, I listened to it a few times beforehand. I like to think the original goes, Red Bull, just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what a coincidence. Red Bull, 
Just for a second, we thought it all could be different. Qualifying happened and Verstappen wasn't on pole. Could Lewis Hamilton, who famously starts well, keep him behind and create an upset? No, of course not. Hamilton went backwards and Verstappen promptly shot off into the distance. Meanwhile, Sergio Perez, who had got his customary massive fuck-up in nice and early during FP1, managed to come through from ninth on the grid to get third. Everyone said he'd done well, conveniently ignoring the fact that he shouldn't have been that far back in the first place. <sighs> okay, so Perez versus the same old story. Right, all right. Did you see the FP1 crash? <laughs> I did. I tuned into FP1 Live while I was working. Was and I so... literally turned it on. I'd missed the beginning by, I don't know, a few minutes. <laughs> and I turned it on, and already <laughs> Perez was in the wall. <laughs> I mean, again, I like it was to. so funny. I like to often have this thought of what must it actually be like to be a Formula One driver, right? <laughs> now, we all, we all imagine being, you know, sucked off by a supermodel on a yacht. But actually, being a four to one driver is more like being under pressure from Christian Horner. You know, Nick DeFries is gone. Daniel Ricciardo is breathing down your neck. You've had three or four bad races in a row. You need to do well. So you go out on FP1 and you fucking nail it. And then three corners in, your wheels all bent and you're in the wall. And it's not even the crash. It's the radio call after the crash where you go, oh, sorry, guys. You know, that is that radio call. <laughs> I think if I was a driver, I would just make out it didn't happen. It's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's all going well, guys. Yeah, it's really quite good. I'll do two more laps and I'll come in. They're like, uh, yeah. Sergio, yeah, we can see slightly you. wide at the front. We can see you on the I'm telly. taking it to get washed. Yeah, I'll be yeah. back in a bit. No, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing some, uh, just doing some drills. Do you know what? I think here. Don't. I'll, I won't be. A, I'll be a while. This is a weird thing, but I think I might not pit. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> What's funny watching it back? Is that it's not like it's just an unfortunate thing where he was pushing it a little bit too hard on cold tyres and he said, he had his wheels on the grass. Yeah. As he turned into the corner, he was completely off the track as he turned in and obviously lost all grip. The well, what are you doing? Grass go round and round. <laughs> Sergio Perez goes round and round. It was just a tiny then bit. He like, stops. You don't need much. Yeah. Like six well, I mean, inches it, it, and yeah. that was it. Gone. But, but for an F1 that's driver huge. on an yeah. outlap in um, FP1, that's a lot. Yeah. And Max Verstappen. Didn't go on the grass. Lewis yeah. Hamilton didn't yeah. go on the grass. George Russell. And even ignoring that fact, even just leaving aside for the fact that he fucked it up and lost a load of practice time, he then did qualifying, and he was ninth. Ninth in, in a, a Red, Red Bull. Bull. It's like, and what's the, what's funny is that that is his best qualifying in the last six races. So yeah, him finishing six th- races. Him finishing third is one shitter than his bare minimum contractual obligation. Yes, exactly. Everyone's, didn't he get driver of the day? I don't know if he actually got it, but he, he was get certainly of top of the vote. He got driver of the That's day. That's hilarious. Because, because the other thing is, that car, in the race especially, has got such an advantage over the other cars that, I mean, I mean, obviously I do a lot of hyperbole about I could be better, but I think even me getting in that car, I'd, I'd at least overtake the, the Haas. <laughs> Mm. And I can't. And he was drive. getting caught at the end by um, by Hamilton as well. Lewis of the and meanwhile, Hamilton. Verstappen was uh, thirty seconds up the road as per usual. Thirty fucking seconds. Oh, and it is you know we we like to we like to attack Verstappen for being a bit of a dick, but he's fucking good. He's not making any mistakes. He's coming in. He's nailing it every week. Doing nothing wrong. Just bang 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 winning. And for all me knocking on. Sergio Perez, like he's an all right driver, you know, he's been around a long time, he's all right. It's not like they've got an absolute no mark in. 
uh, I think Verstappen just must be really good. Sorry. When was I, I just tried to mute the mic whilst trying to, whilst sneezing <laughs> and I realized I didn't. It didn't work. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it didn't didn't work at all. But when was the last noticed. time when was the last time that there was such a big gap between the two drivers in the top dominant team? Oh. It was probably the Schumacher era, but that was kind of contractual. <laughs> it was like you're not allowed Schumacher to get within three seconds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're being too no, fast. No, you don't stay on the same lap as me. Yeah. Um, if you get ahead, you must stop. Uh, yeah, I can't actually remember. Bottas was on the when he was at Bottas, Mercedes was on Bottas. the podium most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and he, you know, he never looked like he was really gonna beat Hamilton but at the start of every season there was like oh maybe maybe and for like for the first two races like oh and it would fizzle out by you know Bahrain but um you'd still do he he wasn't I'm thinking Weber and Vettel was the same like you always knew who was going to win but But not this far apart from each other no no, not at all it it has been fairly shambolic and and it seems a shame that De Vries can get the hoof after nine races and he's done better than Perez has done Mantle and Patrese, 1992. They weren't that far apart, were they? I don't know. I think Patrese didn't. I mean, Mantle was clearly better, but I think Patrese hated the active suspension, so I think he was relatively slow. I wouldn't say I I couldn't say he was this slow, but I'd have to look it up. I can't remember. I I don't remember him being shit. You were twelve, Phil. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't remember brilliantly. Actually, what was I saying? When I was twelve, I used to I used to copy down the times from CFAX, so. I care much less now about Formula One. <laughs> That's an interesting question, Drew, about Verstappen. Yeah. Whether he gives a shit that Perez... I don't think he does. I think he's very much out for him. I don't think he's that bothered about his teammate. No, I but think, like, does he prefer he... it that he shit? I like, think... As opposed to being challenged by someone in, think, a, in yeah. an equally fast car. Well, this I is interesting. Because so, yeah, Louis, Louis Hamilton always says that he likes to have a challenge, whereas Max Verstappen, I just think... And I'm not even calling him a dick for this thought because I think this, he's young and he's got the exuberance of youth but I just think he thinks he'll beat anyone so he'll be like oh bring it on I've, everyone that's sat in the car next to me has ended up being dropped by the team so surely I'm the best driver in the world yeah I mean in fairness he can back that up with, with history <laughs> and facts but none um, of those drivers have been like an excellent driver. like shove Lando Norris in that car shove even Oscar Piastri in that car and I think he'd have a bit of a a worry hmm We'll see. Well, I mean, we, we we might see sooner than later. We I won't. guess. We're not see a like that. There's no way they're going to put a challenging driver in that car. Well, the trouble is, who were they going to put in? Daniel. I mean, the only Ricardo. obvious. Exactly. Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, talk about making a film. Here's an idea for a film. Hi, I'm Daniel Ricciardo. I've just ousted Sebastian Vettel, the four-time champion from the team he won the championship at. I'm now the daddy of the team. What? Who's this guy? Max Verstappen? He's making me feel a bit shit. I'm going to go to Renault. Oh, what? Renault? No, they don't like me either. Right, I'm going to go to McLaren. What? I'm shit now. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to to quit. What? I'm going to go back to Toro Rosso, Alfa Tari, whatever. Great, and now I'm going to go back to where I left a few years ago, trying to be the daddy of the team, and now I'm the little, tiny, little boy going back, going, please, Max, can I come second to you? Oh, please. This is the trouble. We've we've seen this story before, and we know how it ends. And it just shows the lack of depth in the Red Bull driver program. For all them touting it and going, oh, we've got two teams, and we've got all these programs, and they've sponsored all the, but like they've got nobody. The Red Bull driver program has been a farce for the whole time. Experience. There has never been a good driver coming out of the Red Bull driver program. Well, this is it. I think we've talked about this before. Like Verstappen didn't actually come out of the program, did he? They just no. signed him up from somebody. They else. signed him up the year before and went, "Oh, he's one of our young drivers," because Mercedes were about to snap him up. 
Yeah. Oh, Fettel, Who have been the success? Fettel was oh, all right. No, but he wasn't reading the Young Driver program, was he? I can't remember. I think I'm but right, he, I don't think he was. He wasn't. He's, he's, yeah. No, I don't think he was. But he sort of came. They signed him to Toro Rosso, and he did well. But then you look at the long series of other people they've signed to Toro Rosso. That have, I mean, they've got plenty of Formula E champions who are world champions, as we know. Oh fuck off! <laughs> I don't know. It's just all what are Red Bull doing? McLaren. Helmut Marco seems to get so much respect, and yet everything around him, apart from the fact that his team are winning all the time, suggests <laughs> that he doesn't know what he's doing. The Is that Red unfair? Bull, the Red Bull driver program has been bullshit from the start, and now all the other teams have got their own programs. There's no space for a great driver. There's no drivers. There's no young drivers. There are too many young drivers. McLaren. Well, it looked like those post-upgrade performances weren't just flukes. Lando Norris got his second consecutive podium and celebrated by smashing Verstappen's trophy and then claiming it was an accident. Oscar Piastri also did pretty well, nabbing third at the start, but then went off track, tussled with Perez and knackered his car a bit. Still, they must be pretty happy and woking, right? I think they'll be absolutely delighted. Does this I mean, ever this happen? Be the best upgrade of this is a this is the hell of an upgrade. This never happens. We we watched Formula One for enough years to know that no team brings an upgrade that works so well they get podiums. That never happens. I haven't seen an upgrade this good since since they went to the news agents and got some photocopies. <laughs> so, I'm a bit annoyed though. Oscar Piastri seems to be the real deal, correct? He seems pretty good, considering he's in his first season. And apart from, well, last race he was right behind Norris without an upgrade. And this one he was right up there until, admittedly, he made a little bit of a mistake and fucked his car. But yes. So, I have a question for both of you. What is the point of getting old? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have an answer for you. If there's one thing that we've been told about getting old is you, you develop wisdom, you get better at things, experience counts for a lot of things. And now all of these Formula One drivers are like 12 and they're all, they're actually fucking good. Like Max Verstappen mm. is good. Oscar Piastri is good. These drivers are all actually good. What's the point? What's the point? The world. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> the world. Um, is this the world is a mess right now climate change you know right-wing politics everywhere and it's all the over 30s right there's no there's no youth there's no youth fucking it up i think we need to kill us all off just everyone over 30 just drops dead the whole world is run by the kill the old i I mean i would I, i think 30 is a little bit young i would say i don't know like 43 and then have it just rise every year (laughs) <laughs> that would be the cutoff. Do you know what? You're right. Actually, when you put it like that, I think that's a fair argument. Yeah. And then, like, you know. Like, when you think you people should be taxed more at 5% more <laughs> than think, what uh, you yeah, are. Yeah, let's, let's start it at 44. And, then and obviously, the family, there, the family of the members of people who are 43 and over should probably stay alive as well. And friends. And colleagues. <laughs> but uh, everyone else them. dead. <laughs> so only people over 44 with no friends or family. <laughs> This is like a very complicated version of Logan's Run. No, it's basically Twitter. <laughs> X. There is there is no point in getting older. There is no advantage to it. There's no there's no increase in experience and decrease in physical ability where there's an apex in the middle. It's just a downward slope. Well, unless I the f- aging happens early on. It's like from 12 to 23 and the peak is at 18. Maybe that's what it is now. 
I'm slightly better at, at not running out of money 24 hours after I've been paid. That's that's the upside, I'd say. But that might just that be helps you get I around have, an F1 because circuit. Because I have apps now. No. Oh, you're 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 talking in F1 terms, not just in life. Oh God, in life, yeah. I'm 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 also slightly better at managing <coughs> my money, which is which is good. But I that's, honestly, that's I, I would it. take a better liver over that. Yeah, I better take more flexible muscles and oh. better livery. <laughs> nice. I'm, um, you know, I'm actually, anyway, McLaren should be happy. Fuck all that. I'm pretty happy. You know, I'm I'm 43. You know, I had the shits all week and my arm hurts, but I'm pretty happy. <laughs> should they have like like the PGA, like the, they have the older golfers tour? They should have that for Formula One, like the aged Formula One. Well, they One used drivers. to. They had the Masters Championships back in the what yeah. early to mid 2000s, was it? They had Nigel Mansell. They had probably PK. They had Derek Warwick. Pauldy. All the greats. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I know, and it lasted three races, and then it went bankrupt. But yeah, because they're not very good at looking out for their money, looking after their money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, but McLaren are very happy, I'm sure. Well done, then. Mercedes getting a pole position in fourth place doesn't seem that bad for Mercedes, but it could have been better. Could Lewis have held on if he hadn't messed up the start? Could he have pushed more at the end to get a podium from Perez? Could George Russell not have catastrophically fucked up qualifying and started from higher than 18th? Answer us, Toto! So, first things first. George Russell qualifying. I hate George Russell, but that wasn't his fault. I don't know why they put him outside into all the traffic. But that thing he was doing where he was like, oh, I'm going to go really slow because I've got to get some space. I'm going to go really slow because I've got to get some space. And Too slow. <laughs> And then everyone just being like, fuck this. It's like being in Tesco and you're behind someone and you're just like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go past him. It was like that. And I don't blame any single one of them for going past him. He was being a dick. He shouldn't have been in that place. Yeah. It's Q1. You just need a banker at that stage. You're not going for the the fastest lap. You're just not in the bottom five. Yeah. Just don't get knocked out, George. Yeah, it just seems such a... It was like that that race when everyone was waiting to go and no one finished in time and like everyone knocked themselves out because they were all waiting for the right yeah, moment to I go thought and that no one made brilliant. it through. I thought the same thing was going to happen. But do you think... I, I think that George Russell, because I don't like him, I think he's joined Mercedes and he thinks he should be earned... He deserves some kind of respect for being a Mercedes driver because Lewis Hamilton has... He sees it. Lewis Hamilton gets respect for being an eight times world champion. Eight asterisks. Oh, and you said it. I said it. Oh, no, and you George, didn't. George Russell thinks that the reason Lewis Hamilton gets that respect is because of the Mercedes overalls. When it's not, it's because he's been a well-renowned Formula One driver for ten years. Whereas fifteen years. Whereas George Russell, no one likes you, mate. That's it. He's a bit entitled. He's so mm. entitled. He's so it entitled. Was I'm going to call him Lord Snooty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, uh, show great dandy <laughs> reference there from the uh, from the eighties. Beano um, was, was it the Beano? Was it the dandy? Oh, it's got the mixed. Up. I don't know. Um, it did seem that Mercedes chose a very bad time to suddenly not be good at starts because their starts have been really good lately, until the time when they needed a really good start and it was terrible. And Max has been a bit slow off the line. I know. Yeah, I really quite thought a few times. I really thought it was going to be Hamilton into the first corner. Then because you know that Max Verstappen has been like really fair in racing people since Abu Dhabi twenty one because he? he's not. Oh, right. well, he's not been up against Lewis Hamilton. He's not had to. So he's just like, I'll against, just overtake your next lap. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Don't worry about it. 
Whereas, but even like the, in the start of 22, do you remember like him and Leclerc were going back and forth, like di- doing and a bit of ding dong? And it was like total load of space. There was none of this kind of driving off the track because he's got this hatred for Hamilton. So I was thinking that Hamilton's going to get in the first corner and then he's going to do a old Verstappen move and it's going to be all the fans are going to go crazy. And then Lewis Hamilton just fucking ruined that by being shit. It was really <laughs> clumsy as well. It wasn't even like a real dramatic late lunge. It was just. Nudged him a little bit off track, and then he lost two more positions. I know. Mm. Oh, he, he, he got a wheel to do it at the start, I think, and then he's, just couldn't. Yeah, and then he just got swamped. Yeah, it's a hard track to overtake. You could have had Lewis holding Max back, and then having oh. two hungry uh, McLarens right behind him. Oh. That could have been interesting for two whole laps. Oh. Anyway, oh well, no. there's an there's yeah. an alternative universe where that happened, but not this one. Alpha Tauri. We're putting them higher up on the running order, not because they did particularly well, but because they're actually interesting for a change. With Nick de Vries out on his ear, Daniel Ricciardo came back to F1 and was actually pretty good. Who benefits most from this new arrangement then? Well, I think, (laughs) well, yeah. Um, I mean, Danny Rick's the obvious, wasn't he? he? Well, I don't know, because this race has gone all right. I think he did well. He out-qualified and out-finished Tsunoda, which is what you've got to do. But if he doesn't do that, he is finished. Not just, like, looks a bit bad. His 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 F1 career is over. He's out. He did it straight away. We would have given him this race, surely. Mm. Like, we, like, this race, you would go like, okay, your first one back. He hasn't had much time in this car. He did all his testing in the Red Bull. So it's a slightly different car. So if he hadn't, we would have gone, oh, okay, well, new car. But he came straight out of the gate and did it. So that's a very good sign. No, he did. Um, he did well. We haven't actually had recorded since since the news came out that he had got the drive. Do we want to reflect a bit on that and and on Nick De Vries at all? Because ironically, it came out literally about half an hour after we finished recording the last episode. There. Oh, I could do my joke. Can I do my joke? Can I do my joke? Go on then. Yes. F one is a brutal sport, and yet again, another driver has been dropped mid season without any warning. Will we ever see Brad Pitt on the grid again? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, Nick De Vries is just another. Again Nick true, Nick De Vries is another in a long line of Red Bull casualties, which is. I mean, there's something. Do you okay? Do you remember in the eighties when the IRA would do a bobbing? They would do a warning of that. They'd they'd ring a news station or the police with like a code word, so they they'd know it was a real IRA. And I think that's what Helmut Marco does because he never just fires someone out of the blue. He'll fire someone, but a few weeks before, he'll do an interview going, well, if they don't get their act together, they're going to get fired. And you go, you fired her, haven't you? You've done it, haven't you? You've already decided. <laughs> There's none of this kind <coughs> it's of... It's already like, been planted. Yeah, yeah, you've already said it. And this is what I feel that he does. He's just kind of, again, just kind of gone, oh. Like, like, like just because he's got one fucking eye, he thinks he's going to do some kind of Nick Nolte... Hang on, is it Nick Nolte or Nick Knowles? Which one am I thinking of? Um, <laughs> you know, quite different people. <laughs> quite different people. Nick, I'm thinking of Nick Knowles. Um, DIY SOS. You know that guy. No, th- just he does this kind of like, oh well, I tell you what, I, I say to all the press that he's shit, and I'm going to fire him, and let's see if that lights a spark up him. He's like, no, it's not. It's going to make him shit because you're going to shit. He's like, oh, I've lost my big chance. Oh God, I got to pieces if the fucking postman looks at me funny. The weird thing about Marco, I don't know what so my point is, kind of stuff. 
I don't know either. I'm just moving on. The weird thing about Marco being so brute about this is he fucking hired him in the first place. It was him that decided... He wanted to get him after he saw him do that one good race last year for Williams when Alban had appendicitis. And <gasps> oh, my it, God, that's it. His entire thing on that. And I, I now can't remember if I've definitely read this, but I'm sure in my mind I might have possibly read this, is that Horner wasn't that bothered about the race. No, no you, you're right. Like, no, you should get him. He's going to be great. You're right. Horner and now he's just yeah. like, oh, he was never any good. What's the point? Let's just get rid of him. This says nothing good about... This is a lot more bad stuff about Marco than it does about De Vries. No, he's just hiring is... people on a whim and they turn out to be shit and it's just been going on for ages. This is exactly it. What's happening is that Helmut Marco is like a gambler who's lost his lucky streak and he's just there going, <laughs> right, I've just got to... He's the same thing. He's going to go, right, I've just got to be confident. That guy did a good race for Williams. Right, get him in, get him in. Don't worry about yeah. it. I've got, I'm back, baby. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. All right, get Danny Ricciardo in. <laughs> Fuck everything. <laughs> Daddy needs a new yacht. <laughs> <clears throat> bet okay, everything so, on Nick and it didn't work I was, I was a little annoyed that Ricardo did well because frankly for the shits and giggles I was hoping he would just be going oh guys I don't know what's happening I'm shit again but you know well done him maybe the McLaren was a badly suited car for him <laughs> which puts Piastri and Norris in a great position because it's like well they're doing alright it, it's, right? like ra- it's almost like racing cars are complicated and Fuck difficult that. to understand <laughs> Ferrari. Ferrari were aiming for fifth and might have got it for the usual fuck-ups, a failed wheel gun, a five-second speeding penalty for Leclerc, and slow driving for Sainz. Will Ferrari just be meh for the rest of the year? Yes. I know that Carlos Sainz is sick of the Ferrari strategy team, but I'm really getting pissed off with Carlos Sainz's. No, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) Are we going to go to what Code Sierra? No. (laughs) No, we're going to get a code Capri. I don't, I don't, I don't like care. old Fords. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah, yeah. you. Oh, we both went the same place. That's good. Well, um, um, I think there's no trust. I think Ferrari are doing reverse psychology on him there. That's my that's my new theory. They say to him, uh, <laughs> Carlos, we we don't want you to switch to Plan B. Well, I'm going to switch to Plan B then. Fuck you, <laughs> Carlos. We think you should hold and not go for the win. Oh, fine. Well, I'll stick behind Leclerc. <laughs> and Leclerc just <laughs> seems it. to. Leclerc just seems to have given up as well. He's just like, he sounds miserable on the I radio. I can only imagine what the morale is like there. Just lowering every week. It's like oh, getting into your race suit and going, oh, God, what's going to happen this weekend? Like, and especially for Leclerc, because Leclerc saw Alonso, he saw Vettel get broken by Ferrari, and he thought it would be different, and it wasn't. It's like it's like the woman in the friend group, and everyone says, "Don't, don't do it, mate." Cause the only way to you. survive at Ferrari no, is not giving me. a shit, which is what what Raikkonen was good at, and he won a world championship with them. Isn't it just by God, not giving a fuck? It's just like pfft. that. Actually, is amazing, isn't it? Because Raikkonen probably had the longest Ferrari career out of those people, the only one to won a championship, and looked as if he did it by mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't care. Didn't care if he was winning. Didn't care if he was losing. Yeah. He was just like, uh, "It is what it is." I don't know why it's wow. French, but you know what I mean. Wow. Because a are. Finnish accent is difficult to do. Is it? Uh, is, is it? Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not oh. even touch. Oh, yes, it is. That's oh. racist. No, I can't do it. <laughs> yep, up, up. Anyway. I'm trying to right. think of any Finnish words I know. House. Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. Maletta. Aston Martin. Aston's descent into mediocrity continues. Both drivers scored points, but only just, and I don't have much else to say about them. What happened to the podium nudges we saw earlier in the season? 
A, it's all gone wrong. Podium nudges, great phrase. It sounds like <laughs> bikini sponge. What's it? Bikini smugglers? <laughs> no, bur- bikini budgie. sponges. What? Bikini smugglers. <laughs> I've just got my bikini sponges on. <laughs> that podium nudging would have also knocked over the trophy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall of in anywhere that Fernando Alonso is right now that fly is going to be dead because he's going to be punching the wall this Um, is the start he's desperately trying to hang on to his dreams and his enthusiasm you notice he hasn't been praising Stroll much in the last couple of races because the thing is because it's not just that the other teams have brought upgrades that are better than theirs Aston Martin have also brought some pretty hefty upgrades and they've obviously gone in the wrong direction somewhere and this is the first point yeah this is the first point where they go well hang on do we go back? Do we carry on going? You know, this is what Mercedes had all of last year and this year. It's like, if you go in the wrong direction with the budget cap and with timing and everything, what the fuck do you do? Whereas Alonso You're is fucked. just there going, get it right. Get it fucking right. <laughs> Don't make me slag things off on the radio because I will. Gonna punch something. Mm. So, great. I'm enjoying this. It's starting. It's happening. <laughs> Like Fucklehead. It's, like, it's like we knew it would happen, but I can't believe it's happening. It's like it's like when you get the big present for Christmas. You're like, I knew I was going to get it, but I can't believe I'm getting it. <laughs> so your parents have just said, "What do you think about going to Disney World?" You're like, "What?" <laughs> Williams. Alex Albon hasn't been lower than eleventh for the past four Grand Prix, which for Williams is pretty damn good. And to get eleventh in the low-speed Hungaroring is even more impressive. Also, Logan Sargent was there and retired out of shame near the end. Alex Albon's driving really, really well. James Vowles did an interview where he said that some of the systems and the facilities, not just facilities, but some of the systems at Williams are like 20 years out of date compared to Mercedes. Which again, as I've always thought, there's, there are just some old farts in Williams going, no, no, we do it this way here. This is a Williams way. We've won more world championships than anyone else except for Ferrari and Red Bull and McLaren. And we know how to do things here, which is why I will be painting this carbon fibre on with asbestos. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our autoclaves are steam-powered, and that's the way we've always done it. Yes. Are yes. you allowed to? Are you allowed to under the cost cap rules? Are you allowed to sort of do capital expenditure, like building new facilities, or does that have? Does that come within the cost cap? No, I think the facilities don't. I think you can do that. So I think. So they can upgrade their like factory and their steam-powered bullshit. But what I hate about the factories, like, because this was with Aston Martin and Elping, it's like they're going to upgrade the factory. It's going to take four years, and you're like, I don't want to wait four years. I've got a podcast to do. <laughs> But, um, yeah, but whatever he's doing, he's like, you know, there's been several managers come in betwixt Claire Williams and now, and they've got some results. And the only other time they've had some results in the past is when they had that Mercedes engine that was so fast that you could have bolted it onto a fucking pushchair and it would have got third. (laughs) And that sounds like something I'd like to see. Uh, Yeah, no, they're doing really well. Alex Alvin is doing really well. Um, the car is not the worst car it's all right and considering where Williams have been for the past god knows how long that's we'll take that but I wonder how long Albon will stay there if he keeps driving really well because people will start sniffing around him and he could end up as a second driver at Red Bull (laughs) is Red Bull going to become like have I got news for you and this podcast and just have a revolving series of old (laughs) favourites coming in Drew, you fancy a seat at Williams or Red Bull? (laughs) I'll take my turn. Uh, uh, Take a number, I'll be next. Alpine. 
So many jokes about Ocon and Gasly taking each other out this season, and it's happened again. But once again, it wasn't their fault. This was the second double DNF in a row for Alpine. Do we think their new CEO is going to shout at them again? I don't think he can. I mean, they weren't brilliant this weekend, but that was... It was unfortunate. It was very unfortunate. It was was Joe's fault, and we'll talk about him in a minute, but... I don't really know what you can do when you when both your cars get taken out of the first corner again. Well, it's basically a first lap incident, isn't it? I mean, as I think um, Gasly said, no, I think it was Ocon said it that um, you, if you qualify in the midfield, you risk these things happening. You know, this doesn't happen when you're first yeah. and second. So they've got to get faster and better, but they don't seem to be doing faster and better. They seem to be. Well, it's because the management doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. I think no, hopefully I this new. The new setup. I mean, we've. Been, I feel like we've been yeah, saying this for right. seasons Come now. on, <laughs> we've been saying this since it was hoping against hope. Renault since Pal- it was Renault Lotus since Lotus Renault Renault Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think it's hilarious that we were so convinced that Ocon and Gasly were going to be fighting and taking each other out all season. They haven't done that. Oh, they will. Deliberately. They will. They will. <laughs> I mean, they might still. But I, I haven't heard anything about them fighting, have you? Maybe they're just too busy being depressed about how everything is. Yeah, well, I think, I think they both know there's no, together. Point, there's no point being over-competitive until they've got a competitive car. They're the, they're the inverse Ooh. of Alonso. That's quite a good saying. There's no point in being competitive until you have a competitive car. To finish Ooh. first. Put on a T-shirt. First, you first you have, have to a build a car. car. <laughs> yes. It's not as catchy. <laughs> if you no longer see a gap, then you don't have a competitive car. <laughs> You, if you don't see a gap, then you are the gap. Ooh. Doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> Alfa Romeo. Ojo Guan Yu. It was all going really, really well. Right up until the lights went out. Qualified fifth, but then the car didn't work at the start and everyone went past him. Keen to make up for lost time, he then took out loads of them, smashing into Ricardo. Bottas also had a decent qualifying, but lost places when Zhou caused carnage and dropped out of the points. Was this a flash in the pan, or could Alpha do something good if they stopped fucking up? I mean, they were on the tip of doing something good. Like, I, I know they particularly targeted this race. Just the tip. Uh, I don't understand. In qualifying, what it was like? It was like I was watching. You know, a bizarro world dream sequence where Bottas was like in the lead of qualifying for a bit, and it wasn't even just <laughs> briefly. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it wasn't even like oh, you know, it's like the first the first cars a set of tires. So he's like number one. He's like number one ahead of all the other cars, and then Joe Gagnon was like up there, and he qualified fucking fifth. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? 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 I mean, what's the point? What's the point the in knowing is, anything? The, <laughs> because this is a slow speed corner. Turns out the Alpha is very good at going slowly. <laughs> so they go slowly really well <laughs> they oh they're really so good at it they have, yeah. they've put everything into going slowly and so you know they, they were really had high hopes at this track and they it was looking so good car. until he literally <laughs> until it literally started and apparently some random brake emergency system kicked in at the, at the start and they were I, I read an interview with one of the engineers who was basically going we're not entirely sure how this has happened how when we told the car to go all the brake systems came on um, and stopped the car from going anywhere. And then Joe panicked and took everyone out and got in Bottas's way. And then their, all their hard work within one corner, they were well out of the points and couldn't get back to it again. And yeah, so, Alpine's race, <sighs> their race, it was beautiful. 
Yeah. When's there an, what's the what's another track that's a bit like hungry in terms of lots of slow corners? Like maybe Singapore or something? They might Singapore. be alright there, maybe. The thing but is, I haven't said that, were they any good at Monaco? I can't remember. I mean Monaco's I always, really slow, maybe that's not the same. I always struggle with the standings and Joe Ganyu because I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him interviewed, I don't know what he looks like. I just know that he's that driver in Alfa Romeo. So now I got something. <laughs> <laughs> now every standings I'll be like oh he started shit that one time <laughs> I'm like a, suck my balls I'm like a British pub banter lad going hey he had a, he had a curry once we're gonna call him no 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 um, <laughs> too much bantery too you're much too bantery that's why I left the country Get wrong with the fever on the dance floor. What? Oh, yeah. Nico Hulkenberg dyed his hair blonde, a move that some say was to do with the Barbie movie and the fact he has Ken in his name. But we reckon it's more out of a deep love for Jacques Villeneuve. Regardless, Hulk was once again the best Haas driver and once again got into Q3 before once again falling back in a bad car. Meanwhile, Kevin Magnussen didn't seem to know how to drive anymore. He was the last driver to finish, despite being 13th after the first corner. Again, oh, this says it all, really, doesn't it? The thing I was saying about the young drivers being really good, and then there's a couple of old farts in the Haas that aren't using their wisdom and knowledge and experience to, to do a canny, let's do a strategy that these youngsters wouldn't understand. They're just shit. Well, Hulkenberg's qualifying well, but the car's bollocks. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck them. Done. I'm done just, with them. I'm done with both. a couple of old farts. It's like yeah, I know the they're both wine. like 20... Yeah, and I know they're both 27 or something. Hang on, how old? I think they might even be in their 30s. Are they the oldest team? What's the oldest driver pairing? Actually, Alonso oh. must be putting the um, must be putting yeah, the, the average up oh, a lot. Hulkenberg's thirty-five. There you go. Yeah, he's getting on a bit. Yeah, old fart. Kevin Magnussen is thirty, so they're both over thirty. Yeah, get rid of them. Time to go. Shoot them. Oh. Wow, that's an episode of yeah. Drive to Survive. <laughs> it's good to Steiner <laughs> coming out with a shotgun over his arm. <laughs> He drive to survive, didn't he? He didn't. <laughs> you didn't drive, so you don't survive. <laughs> All of which takes us to the standings with Terry Saunders. So for the driver standings this week, I thought I would see how each driver would react if they broke a 40,000 pound trophy on the podium. <laughs> so Max Verstappen would actually break out in a cold sweat because Yoss is coming and he gets angry. Um... Sergio Perez would just say, I don't break things. I'm really good at looking after things. Fernando Alonso in third place would say, something broke. I can win this race, which is a hark back to Singapore, 19, no, 2008, whatever it was. Um, Lewis Hamilton would say, the crowd here are great. Uh, George Russell <laughs> would say, you shouldn't have broken that, I'm telling. Carlos Sainz would say, I'm not going to break the vase. You told me to break the vase, I won't break it. Charlie Clerk was, would say, are any of the shards sharp enough to cut me? Oh, Charlie, you're in a bad way. <laughs> Lando would say the last McLaren driver with a novelty podium exercise went well for him, didn't it? Um, Lance Stroll would just say, buy, buy him a new one. Uh, Espen Ockham would say, I didn't do it. Oscar Piastri would say, that didn't make me shoot my gun, which is my, my joke about Oscar Pistorius is still there. Um, 
Pierre Gasly would say, I didn't do it either. Alexander Albon would be that. That was where my mum keeps her stash. <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> says, I've seen the Barbie film. Uh, you're on the wrong standings, Nico. Um, Valtteri would say, I haven't been on a podium for so long, I forgot what a vase looks like. Um, Jogan Yu would be, all I've got to do is not break the vase. Oh, no, I broke the vase. Um, Yuki Tsunoda would be like, oh, Ricardo didn't break the vase. And Kevin Magazine would say, I saw Oppenheimer. So <laughs> like, Kevin, wrong standing. <laughs> Talking of which, team standings. If the teams went to see a film this week, what film would they see? Because everyone's talking about it. It's the double bill. Who would go and see what? Red Bull would go and see Oppenheimer because they are destroying Formula One. Um, Mercedes would see Barbie because they, they're fun. Aston Martin would see Wolf of Wall Street because they love money and quaaludes. Um, Ferrari would see Falling Down, which is just Charlie Clerk like, with a machine gun going, I'm fucking sick of this. <laughs> McLaren would see On the Up with Dennis Waterman, not a film, but, you know, they're doing quite well. Uh, Alpine would see Pink Panther, a bit racist. Williams would see The Great Dictator, because it's a really old film about Frank Williams. Uh, Haas would see Fast and Furious 7, because it's shit. Alfa Romeo would see Fast and Furious 6, because I didn't write anything for Alfa Romeo. And Alfa Tari would just watch Muppet Babies, also a TV show. Not my best. Uh, and now... The man of the match of driving. Oscar Lando Norris. Norris. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. My screen is so far away, I can't read the writing. <laughs> Hello, I'm old. Um, <laughs> I drive for Haas. <laughs> 12 races. No, I'm not talking about the 1987 Formula 1 season, but the number of races Red Bull has won on the trot, which must really piss off Toto Wolff, because you'd think they managed that in the last few years at Mercedes, wouldn't you? If you said it was the last team to win 12 races on the trot, you'd say Mercedes, because it makes sense. But no, they failed at being obnoxiously dominant and just settled for being really fucking dominant. The last time someone won 12 races in a row was Ferrari and Michael Schumacher. So here I am, applauding Red Bull. <laughs> Sorry, I got a bit <laughs> sick there. Sorry, that must be the food poisoning. It's one of the many records that, although undoubtedly impressive, and hats off to Christian Horner. And <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> It does only really highlight that F1 has, in the last 30 years, moved to a sort of Chinese dynasty system where competition is measured in eras, not years. Oh, this vase is from the Vettel dynasty. <laughs> 
For the majority of this century, you can often tell the winner of at least a Constructors Championship from testing, and can often deduce that they'll pretty much stay that way until a rule change. But don't worry, I have a solution. More rule changes. <laughs> Let's not shake up Formula 1 with sprint races or tyre-based qualifying. Let's do some blue sky thinking. Instead of this stupid one car has to fit all the circuits of the year, how about a more modular-based F1? Each race can be its own category with the proviso that all teams must adjust their cars to fit. So one race can be with a modern hybrid F1, the next week all the cars have to strap in a V10, and the week after they've got to shove in an electric car. It's not just engines. The next race, no wings. The one after that, four wings. Ground effect <laughs> is here today. It's a smooth floor is there tomorrow. This weekend, it's refueling. Next week, it's all about hydrogen. Under the probably grossly extended and entirely unaffordable cost cap, but it's not my job to make it work, you boring pencil pushers, the teams decide whether to focus on areas of expertise and buy off-the-shelf parts to make up the numbers or to create a truly modular system that shines in every variation. And the final race is anything fucking goes. Let Adrian Newey build his Thunder Falcon or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. They roll out the absolute sum of all fears at the end of every season. Like, <laughs> like boss cases. It would be the boss car. Whatever. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, obviously this is ridiculous, but at the same time, I quite like the idea of just being like, right, this week, no aero. <laughs> you've got an take engine, you've got a chassis. Off. Yeah. You've got to have a smooth kind of 1990s style car. And then next week, you can have all the flicks, all the fucking flicks you want. Nice. Chaparral wings like those early ones from the yeah. late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Wings that will break and go around the corner. I know I write a lot of state of F1s, but this, I think, is genius. <laughs> I think I've cracked it. I think I've cracked Formula 1. After all these years, sorted. Modular F1. That's it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about the fact that Sebastian Vettel has warned that F1 could get banned by some countries if they don't sort out their polluting game. Too polluty. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about me scrolling through autosport right now to try and find <laughs> something to not talk about oh there's an offer for um camping we haven't had time to talk about that we'll be back next week to discuss the belgian grand prix in belge in the meantime check out our facebook page facebook.com forward slash for f1 sake and follow us on twitter at for f1 sake terry where can people buy merch ff1s.com forward slash shop to shop Thanks for listening. I've been Drew Stern. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.